Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Investing with IBD, sponsored by Interactive Brokers. Today is February 17, 2021. I'm your host, Arusha Paris, and it is our 100th episode that we are celebrating today for the podcast. So thank you for all the support over the last year plus. And for our 100th episode, we have a really special guest. We have John Nigerian returning back to the show. John is the co-founder co-founder of Mark and Rebellion. co-funder too. <laughs> and co-funder too. It goes with the turf, right? <laughs> exactly. So, John, thanks so much for being here on the hundredth episode. Oh, delighted, Arusha. Um, I have been lucky enough to be on with you, and uh, then with Alexis on the Investors Podcast, and uh, delighted to be with both of you. So, thank you very much. Uh, it's a treat to be on the one hundredth episode. Thank you. Yeah, on today's podcast, we are going to talk about the current markets. We're going to talk about the cannabis trade, and we will end with a few current ideas. Let's get right into the current market. The market is in an uptrend. We have two distribution days on the NASDAQ, three on the S&P 500. John, what are your thoughts about this current market? Um, the market feels like, but it has felt like this for a while, Arusha, like it wants to correct. But the money just, you know, every dip, even, you know, uh, whether it's a 20 points S&P 500 dip or whether it's a 50 point S&P 500 dip and a 200 point NASDAQ dip, they don't <laughs> care. They just jump in and buy it. Uh, so uh, I'm not saying they're wrong. We both know that uh, when you're throwing nearly $2 trillion at the market, it's going to have an effect. I'm mm -hmm. not surprised by that, but um, I, I still marvel at the resiliency of it. I mean, you know, we get one day, maybe two days where the market takes a breather and then it's just right back up, you know, moving from the lower left to the upper right once again, as Gartman would say. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Uh, it, it is. It is an incredibly powerful market. It's been been like this for almost a year now, where you just keep getting, all, as you said, all these these buyers just just plowing in on the dips when you get any little sell off. And yeah, you know what's kind of funny too is you'll have a couple of days where the markets look really bad, and you're like, oh, maybe we may take a month off, but then a few days later we're right into new highs. Yeah, and uh, it's on volume too. Um, you know, you and I both probably look a lot at what are the volumes looking like and, yes. uh, you know, uh, option volumes are through the roof. Um, a lot of that of course is the new entrance to the market, you know, the wall street bets and the, uh, Robin hood traders, but this is uh, a phenomenon. I mean, I've, I've never seen this much jump in, you know, normal Arusha would be something like maybe we see 10%, 15% more volume this year than last year, because people are feeling a fear of missing out, you know, FOMO or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the volume over a record option volume year last year, we're up 61% so far this year, over wow. a record last year. So, wow. you know, that's something that you just can't dismiss and say, oh, you know, I guess people are afraid they're missing out. It could be some of that, but it's, it's real money pouring in as well. 
Yeah, and, and you know, in real time when you see this, you, know, you always have in the back of your head that maybe this is euphoric, maybe it's a bubble, maybe you're near the top, but you don't want to be so quick to get out of it, right? You have to ride these things because they can go a lot longer than any of us can imagine. Right, right. I've got examples, unfortunately, <laughs> good and bad uh, examples. I mean, you know, knock on wood, uh, when you've done it as long as I have, um, you try to, when you uh, have a trade that you say, boy, I wish I would have locked myself in the closet for five minutes so I wouldn't have sold there yeah. or whatever. Um, but I also just try to dismiss it and say, okay, I'm just walking away either because I took a loss or because I took a profit too quickly. Um, I just, you know, it, it's one of those things you have to deal with because none of us know exactly when things are going to top out or bottom. Although I must say it's a lot easier to feel like you've got a bottom than it is to feel like you've got a top. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It, it, uh, that we, uh, it always seems that we have uh, signals that are maybe a little bit more reliable on, on the, the bottom side. Uh, now, you mentioned Wall Street bets. You mentioned Robinhood. And so I have to bring up GameStop. Right. And, and you, you played a nice role in this a few weeks ago with, with GameStop. You came on CNBC. You talked about uh, your, the trade that you were putting on when GameStop was like at 400 uh, or whatever. Uh, first, how did that trade work out? And just talk about what you saw over those few weeks. Sure. Well, as, as you know, it, it barely lasted that a few weeks. I mean, yeah. it was... Uh, the, the first moves, Rusha, were really coming in December. Um, December 23rd, you know, day before Christmas Eve, we saw big uh, option volume in out-of-the-money calls. And um, that was the Robin Hoodsters coming in. Um, that wasn't Wall Street that it, because the, the size that we were looking at was not Wall Street size. It okay. wasn't institutions. And obviously... Um, you know, Melvin Capital um, was already short and being squeezed. And apparently they thought they could squeeze a lot harder. And they did. Um, and they ran it into the 50s. And I'm sure he added to his positions uh, mm -hmm. on the short side. And then it just went parabolic because all of a sudden everybody was talking about Wall Street bets, subreddit, um, you know, who's going to win. And the fact that it was, you know, in many ways, even though it's not the same, it's similar to what happened with um, Ackman when uh, uh, Carl Icahn squeezed him. Right. Yeah. Because Carl wasn't the only squeezer. I mean, once you know that somebody's caught short, uh, it's an awful lot like, you know, the sharks can smell blood in the water. Right. And so um, we saw a number of trades that weren't anything like uh, the Wall Street bets crowd after in other words from 50 to probably 150 there were a lot of big uh institutional sized bets coming in there now i know some of these guys who's who have handles you probably don't want me to say on your show um because their handles quite frankly are um um dirty words in many cases so i won't say that Thank you. Uh, but many of the wall street bets folks do trade, whether they're moderators or just investors, 
they do trade very big. And some of them are YOLO traders, um, you know, putting it all on black and right. probably wrote it all the way up and all the way back down. But there's a lot of really good pro type traders that you and I talked about with Alexis on the show maybe two weeks ago when we were talking about um, that these, they demonstrate a certain, not just credibility, but real knowledge of the markets coming from Wall Street bets. And whether again, they're moderators or traders like deep effing value or whatever. um, uh, Some of those folks um, were really active in trading both sides up and down. Um, But uh, I think a lot of the other stuff we were seeing was quite frankly, big Wall Street money, okay. um, big hedge funds that knew that they had a wounded animal, knew that they were riding this wave and that they're going to be faster than all of those guys that are riding the wave or creating the wave. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm sure Ken Griffith made some good money in there, you know, with what he does over at Citadel, DRW, Virtu, all these guys. And then, um, as it pulled back down, um, you know, our, the trade that we put on Arusha was basically from 60 on down, 60 to the downside, we'd make money if it got back into that range, you know, from like, let's say 20 to 60. And okay. we were lucky it did. Um, the trade's probably up close to six figures right now. And um, we're going to give all of that to charity um, because... Uh, that's what we said we would do when Chamath said, hey, I'm going to give all my winnings on the upside to charity. We said, right. great idea, Chamath. We'll do the same um, on this trade. So right now, it's probably up 80000 bucks, something like that. Um, if we uh, finish, like, for instance, if this week uh, we're down to like 45, 46, Arusha, mm-hmm. um, because I've got a, I've got February uh, puts on, I've got March puts on and I've got April puts on and I'm short some puts in between there. I would love to see it this week, right between where it is now and 55. And I'd make almost six figures on that. If it, um, was to sit around and bounce around for the next couple of weeks, I'd probably take the rest of the trade off cash out, have a big check printed, hold it up. <laughs> on Twitter or whatever, You're right. send it to Dave Portnoy and the guys yeah. and uh, say thank you very much. But yeah, all we did was really take a defined amount of risk, put it on with puts instead of riding it the other way and uh, knock on wood, it worked out. Yeah. And, and, and what was also interesting, well, first, you know, you, that, that story right there really shows that Wall Street is not a friendly place. Yeah. And, and I, no. I try to remind... <laughs> Remind a lot of people, you know, Wall Street is not here to to make you money. It's here to take your money. And you need to go in with that mindset every day and have a game plan. You you just demonstrated having a game plan, thinking ahead of time, okay, about these scenarios, what am I going to do? If this happens, I'll do this. So now you're a lot more objective. You don't let the emotions get the best of you. Right. And the biggest thing about uh, options for me is that, number one, Um, you uh, define your risk if you want to. Uh, Obviously, some people use them like a casino, that they're free to do that. But if you want to make a defined bet on a direction or a time frame that something's going to play out, nothing better than options for that. Then you get the leverage component as well. 
So as long as you don't abuse either of those, I think you can really use options effectively to win in the markets. Um, and obviously, uh, as again, I said a couple of weeks back with Alexis on Investors Podcast, um, I think you've got uh, very sophisticated players at Wall Street Bets. Yeah, it's up to 9 million uh, people on there and probably 8.5 million are not terribly sophisticated, but 500,000, which would be a big number, are yeah. very sophisticated. They made money on the way down in March of 2020, um, and then they reversed it and made money on the way up. So these are not people that I denigrate at all. I know you're not doing that, but no they're definitely yeah. people that I, I respect anybody who puts their butt on the line for uh, a trade with a real trade, not just yapping about it either on Twitter, or on Wall Street bets or on TV. I respect the people that really put the money on the line. Yeah, well, when, when this whole thing was going on, I went over Wall Street bets and I was taking a look at their analysis, especially with the, the GameStop analysis. You mentioned deep effing value and he actually has on YouTube Roaring Kitty. So I was watching yep. some of those videos there and really, really smart guy. He was very, very thorough. He was a fundamental analysis type of guy, CFA type of, of person right there. And he, he was well-reasoned well and he had a plan right there. And so, yeah, it, 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 there are some really good people. I think that brings, you know, that, that really, uh, you know, brings me to a, another question that I had for you. It's just, just social media, Twitter. It, it is just, you've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this for, for quite a while now too. It is remarkable how quickly people can learn this stuff, learn options, learn stocks, just by using the right kind of channels in social media. You have you have a big following on social media. Talk about uh, your experience on social media and, and some of the, the people that you inter interacted with on there too. Sure, well, you're right. There's a, a, whether it's Twitter or any of the other socials, including of course, Reddit now that we talk about so much, there are some really smart investors. Um, there are a number of us that run businesses um, based on that, right. you know, where people want to follow our trades, follow what we see in the market and, you know, literally hundreds of other people that do it to either the same degree or lesser degrees. But um, the democratization of information on the internet has made that possible. And um, I can't say enough about uh, people that uh, would not have been drawn into options 20 years ago, 10 years ago, even mm -hmm. perhaps even just a year ago. But now because of places like Wall Street bets and, you know, various Twitter, you know, people that follow certain people on Twitter, there are people that can watch for like just a couple days or a couple weeks and say, okay, I get it. Um, next time, if I think Tesla's close to a breakout, instead of trying to buy that $800 stock, $1,000 of which, I mean, 1,000 shares of which is a new house, I'm going to buy, you know, a 10 lot of calls. And once they've seen how it works, then they're hooked um, yeah. because uh, you get that leverage. And the, the trade-off is, of course, time frame. With a stock, it's a perpetual. With an option, you have a defined amount of time to be right. So that's probably where most people screw up 
don't give themselves enough time or don't really understand how fast time decay is in those last four to six weeks of the options life. But on the other hand, I mean, it's like being there and uh, seeing that, wow, Tom Brady's really kicking butt today. Um, I think I'd like to place a bet. You know, back in the old days, you couldn't place an in-game bet. You, could, you had to have your prop bets down. You had to have your bet on the game or the over, the under, you know, score, whatever it is. Um, now, all these uh, successful draft kings and others have basically uh, in-game bets. Mm -hmm. And now that's what options are because you can wait and all of a sudden you see that wave starting to go and then people start jumping on that thing. I mean, you know, uh, Tilray last week, Tilray was on a run from, you know, uh, nine bucks a share beginning of January to it hit 77 last week, I think in the after hours. Yeah. And the very next day it was 30 something. Um, but there were, there was a lot of money made on the way up and on the way down, being able to react quickly to that kind of stuff, I think, uh, is something that, you know, people, when they were at work, uh, sitting there with their boss, looking over their shoulder, they probably couldn't do it. But now, you know, <laughs> with point. you sitting around at work, work right now is just like what we're doing. Right. I mean, I could have five different things on my screens in front yes, of me exactly. um, and my boss would never know it. And meanwhile, I'm trading, I'm, you know, trading Torchlight, trading Tesla, trading Fubo, trading Tilray, trading GameStop. <laughs> They'd never know it. So I think that's a lot of what's going on right now are people that are doing their job, turning in, you know, the work that the, uh, the boss expects, but also investing in a way that they couldn't have a year ago. Oh, that, that, that's such a great point. So the market is in a current uptrend. Growth stocks are acting well, but remember, we still have to finish up earnings season here. Let's take a quick break. But when we return, we're going to talk more with John Nigerian, and we'll get more into uh, the, the cannabis trade and also more into social media and, and some insight that you can get from that too. We'll be back. Portfolio Analysts, powered by Interactive Brokers, help sophisticated investors understand the health of their complete financial portfolio. Portfolio Analysts is free and easy-to-use personal finance software that creates a consolidated view of banking, brokerage, and credit card accounts. Compare your consolidated portfolio against more than 200 benchmarks or create customized benchmarks for analyzing performance. Calculate time and money-weighted rates of return and use Portfolio Analysts for forecasting. Sign up for free at PortfolioAnalyst.com. John and Jaring's our guest on Investing with IBD, sponsored by Interactive Brokers. Okay, John, you know, you, you, we, we were talking about social media in, in the, the previous segment. Uh, now, one thing that you're looking into, and, and I know a number of other companies have started looking into this too, is trying to get more intelligence from what the, 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 I guess the social media participants are looking at. Is there a way to try to get some other ideas? And you're, you've started to look into this more too. Talk about that. Sure. Well, um, we've been working with a firm that does um, deep dives into social media. Um, and by that, I mean, they buy the Twitter fire hose. Mm -hmm. So we all know that people can block you on Twitter and so forth. There's also some accounts that are locked, but if you're buying the Twitter fire hose, you can get everything. 
Um, and that doesn't mean they're not taking that fire hose and just um, reproducing all those tweets. What they're doing is looking for positive, neutral, negative. You know, what is the mention that's being made and using AI, artificial intelligence mm -hmm. and machine learning to basically produce that. And, you know, with our guidance, they're also working on Wall Street bets and subreddit accounts like um, Gang Weed, which is yet another of those. You know, there are so many uh, on Reddit and the subreddits that um, it, it just boggles the mind. And some yeah. of these are 10 and 20,000 people in there. Some of them are hundreds of thousands or millions. And as far as I know, Wall Street Bets is the biggest with 9 million. Um, as far as stock market, I've not seen anything bigger than that. Right. And I think uh, being able to read sentiment, we've used it for both um, our crypto trading room as well as equities, because cryptos um, react to, as you know, a host of things. Um, some of it's regulatory, Arusha. Mm -hmm. So if all of a sudden a regulator is coming down in a given jurisdiction, that's not necessarily bad, by the way. In some cases, that's good because it makes the case for decentralized finance. Um, all the people that were shut down by uh, Robinhood and GameStop, those people were really upset. Obviously, yeah. tomorrow we're going to have Ted Cruz and uh, AOC and, you know, a whole bunch. there's a congressional investigation into what happened. And they're pulling CEOs, you know, probably by Zoom calls into right, Washington right. to right. talk about why did you do that? But I think that the, the sentiment um, in many cases can be a significant driver. Um, I also think that uh, having things like uh, listings, uh, actual, uh, so for instance, if Coinbase were to say, hey, we're putting this coin on our site, I guarantee you that coin's up 50% like that. Wow. So if you can be there, if you can see when there's a big exchange, doesn't have to be Coinbase, um, but when you see a big exchange um, adding a coin uh, to their offerings, that is going to move that market. And you're not going to see it without AI and machine learning until, you know, much later because they don't make a big splashy announcement. Um, the, the firm that's getting uplisted, if you will, will probably do that. But you have to be looking at that coin. What, what are the chances that your eyes right. are on that coin? They might be five minutes, might be 10 minutes late, might be a day late. But if you want to catch those moves, You've got to be doing, like I say, what we're doing, buying that full fire hose, if you will, and then parsing out pieces from Wall Street bets and all the rest of these. I mean, some people think it was Elon Musk's tweet about Doge, uh, D-O-G-E, <laughs> that right. drove that thing from, my daughter called me on that one. I mean, I'm sitting there look, working with our team on what we're working on as far as that social media sentiment page, Arusha. Yeah. And all of a sudden my daughter calls me and says, dad, are you trading Doge right now? And I'm looking at it and I'm looking at it. It's pulsing like this. And I'm like, no. And she said, get me some. So I'm in there buying this thing. Hand to God. Oh, that's um, great. Like it's 0 0.0077 uh, was where I was buying it. And it went up to eight or nine cents. 
You know, wow. it was crazy. Just like in two days, some of that was Elon Musk. A lot of it was what we were seeing on social and that sentiment gauge. And, you know, that's why we've been developing that. Um, and I'm sure at some future date, hopefully we'll get out of beta and get them out there and you can start playing with it. No, it, it's really interesting. And, and, and what I like about it, it's very similar to what you're doing for the unusual options activity. Mm -hmm. you're you're just seeing okay where's that money going before it's really really noticed and it makes a lot of sense i mean for for most things and i i think yeah your daughter's example there a lot of time when if i'm getting calls from people i haven't heard from in decades and they're asking me about the stock market or tesla those are warning bells usually that are going off it's like okay yep. this trade is kind of uh played out but th this is a little bit inter a little bit different where you're finding it a little bit early, you're finding a lot earlier but and you're still using social media so that that's right. what i that's what's intriguing to me about and that we had uh, like like you say um there are reasons that tesla or gamestop or tilray can get in the uh in the uh, zeitgeist and can be you know something that everybody who's trading is talking about mm -hmm. but doge i had never traded doge before i knew what it was i thought it was you know quite frankly sort of a joke Right. Um, but, you know, and some people would put an SH in front of the <laughs> coin there, you know, shh, coin. Um, but when you get a whole bunch of people talking about it, you know, in the millions of people talking about it on uh, Reddit or something like that, mm -hmm. it's going to move up or down. And then the question is, how long can it sustain? It didn't hold nine very long. It broke down pretty hard from there, but it's not over yet either. I think it's still trading five cents or something like that, which is still, you know, up a, a pretty good score from where it was. Yeah, call, call me a, a, a fuddy-duddy here, but I prefer just to stick with my classic Bitcoin. <laughs> well, you're, smart, you're smart to do that. Bitcoin, <laughs> you know, there, there are some of them. DeFi is huge, but also um, having something that has a limited supply because mm. it's all supply and demand. How did GameStop get squeezed? Not enough supply. Right. I mean, everybody was, uh, not everybody, but a lot of people were short it, 146% short interest. That's how it got going because you didn't have enough supply for all the people that were buying and hodling it. And they bought it and drove it, you know, to over 500 from uh, 50 in like, maybe it was a week and a half. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was a stunning. Crazy. Um, so let's talk about another kind of short squeeze that the cannabis trade. Mm -hmm. and, and so it almost seems that just uh, it, it, we just had this phenomenon with, with short squeezes over the last couple of months where they're just going from one heavily shorted item to another. Uh, and so cannabis was kind of the next one after GameStop. Talk a little bit about that, what, what you saw there. Sure. Well, Tilray, like you and I said in the first segment, mm -hmm. Tilray was one that the beginning of January, January 4th, it was under nine bucks. And they started coming for out of the money calls. And they, I think it hit our unusual activity report um, nine times from that day all the way up through last week. And each time they were rolling up higher and higher trading the front two weeks almost exclusively because this one had weekly options and so forth. So they were buying calls and it would jump you know, from nine to 15 to 20 to 25 
to 30. And it kind of sat there at 30 for a while and looked like that might be the top. And Mm -hmm. then it just blew to the upside and ran, you know, to 77. There you see the chart from uh, Arusha here on the screen of Tilray. And this is one that's, uh, you know, in many ways, Arusha, similar to GameStop, about 120 million shares outstanding. This one, I think, shares 133 million. GameStop was about 129, you know, so very similar in that regard. It didn't have 140% short. It had about, I think it was 65% of the float that was short. Um, And, uh, you know, that's just manna from heaven when you're looking for help on a squeeze to the upside, having something that's, you know, 50, 60% short. Oh my God. Yeah. You can squeeze those stocks. And obviously they did here, but there is beyond just medical cannabis and recreational cannabis. There are other things at work here. And two of them were Arizona and uh, New Jersey because both of those guys as part of uh, the most recent election approved it for use. And the amount of money that's gonna flow into those states or is already flowing into those states from these cannabis stocks. When you look at, uh, uh, if you, I mean, Canopy Growth was the first big one that, you know, of course, Constellation Brands put their stake in the ground and said, okay, CGC, we own a bunch of you. Because, you know, they wanted basically um, to be one of the first, uh, you guys know, but Constellation Brands is a liquor company, you know, whether it's wine or liquor, that's what they do, beer, liquor, wine. Um, So when you're looking at them diversifying a little bit, yeah, they put billions of dollars into Canopy Growth, but that's why Canopy isn't running like these others, because it's got a very big ownership by you know, a significant player, um, STZ, uh, Constellation Brands. Yep. When you look at uh, um, something like um, Afria, APHA, Tilray, T-L-R-Y, you can see why those would make much bigger moves right. because they don't have that institutional buy-in to the extent that Canopy Growth has. Um, so those are the ones that I want to trade versus Canopy. Canopy is a great stock, does a lot of things right, met the CEO, loved him, um, and he's gone now. But um, he he is one of the movers and shakers in all those Canadian uh, cannabis stocks that all of a sudden were the rage here a year, year and a half ago. And in full disclosure, I own, uh, I don't own, I am a part uh, owner of uh, THCX, which is the cannabis ETF. And because of this surge, um, we're up over 200 million in AUM wow, nice. for that cannabis ETF. So we're happy with that. We're not as big as MJ, but we're a pure cannabis play rather than some of these, I think like MJ and several others have big um, exposure to um, vaping uh, by companies okay. like Altria and yep. things like that, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that, but we're more of a pure cannabis play. Yeah, I, I wanted to just go very quickly back to Tilray and just highlight. And yeah. so um, on it, it, when, when you're at home, when you're listening to this, if you're at home, go to investors.com slash podcast. You can see the charts that we're pulling up here. But 
John, when, when, when you were talking about those unusual options trades and you sent me those screenshots of where it was coming up on your screen, it was right around here where our pattern recognition was picking it up too, which yep. you, that, that always, and when you show me some other trades like that, when they line up like that, it, it is just, it makes sense, but it, it, it is really cool because you're looking at the option side. We're looking at the stock side a lot and they line up a lot of times really reflecting that institutional accumulation. Right. And, you know, there's probably a heck of a lot of folks that use um, your charts. I, I remember for years, I used to wait for that chart book. book to arrive. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I, I love your graphs. And uh, the fact that there's a, that pattern to look at, the fact that you've got chatter on the socials, the fact that people are buying upside calls, you know, you it's all about moving the odds in your favor. Yes. So if you want to catch moves like that, you know, it's important that you're looking at stuff like what Arusha is producing over at IBD. And it's important to be, uh, you know, at least paying a little attention to what are, you know, the march of a thousand ants, as some people call it. And now it's 9 million. <laughs> when, when, when those guys are piling in, those women yes. and men are piling in to a stock, it's going to move. Now, in some cases, it's very short term. In other cases, it's sustainable over weeks and months, like GameStop was at least over the course of, I'd say, six weeks. They were in there and they held it and yep. were long and strong until yep. finally, basically, Robin Hood broke them yeah. when they said, no more. We're, yeah. not, we're not letting you guys trade it anymore. I know. That was brutal. That was uh, brutal. Uh, well, now... Now, now you, you shared a lot of knowledge here, now, but uh, what, one thing that you know we were talking about before we started recording here is, you know, none of this is easy, right? And you're going to make mistakes or you're going to sell out of stocks or options too early. And so I, I want to go over one trade that you just had that was a little painful uh, for you, just more on just the potential loss or the opportunity cost, but uh, QuantumScape. Talk a little bit about that. I think that's it's really helpful for our listeners to hear that. Hey, you know, even a, a pro like John Nigerian, they're not going to, no one gets it perfect. No, not at all. And I don't get it perfect. Um, this quantum scape is a lithium uh, play. Um, it's batteries that are supposed to be supposed to be the next big thing for companies like Tesla. Um, so, I'm on the board of a, a, a advisory board of ABML, which is American Battery and Mining. Um, we got to come up. I know we're changing the name, but uh, it's ABML is that one. Um, so because of that, um, and we recycle lithium as well as mine it at ABML. Oh. And that stock has just zoomed. So I'd been talking with the CEO um, you know, on a pretty regular basis. His name's Doug Cole. He's a rock star. And he had several people from the uh, Tesla uh, battery team that he has wooed away with stock offerings and the idea that they can, you know, help build the next cool thing. Because a lot of people with lithium batteries, um, Chinese recycle lithium, but if you ever watched how they recycle it, it's anything but green. They crush these batteries. They fire them up, you know, in furnaces. Stuff is going up the chimney that you don't want oh, wow. coming down on any human. And yet, unfortunately, in China, um, 
that is what happens. They use brute force and it's very dirty. Um, ABML is not like that. So this professor who was, I think the, uh, the head of the Tesla battery team for three and a half, four years, he's over at MIT and he is now the uh, CIO over at um, ABML. And he told me, John, QuantumScape. He said, we are on a track to be the next QuantumScape. Um, and I said, really? So I immediately started looking into QuantumScape. This is probably two weeks ago or so. Um, so I started looking at QuantumScape, um, started saying, okay, I see that it came public in um, November. Before mm -hmm. that, it was a private company, but it came public. Um, I think it was November, maybe it was September, but it came public and then just out of nowhere went from uh, a little stock that nobody talked about to all of a sudden 130 bucks a share. Yeah. And then famously just flamed out, just came down from 130 and I wasn't anywhere near it then, all the way down into the 40s. So at the 40s, I told uh, uh, my guys, hey, look, this is the next one for us. We got to get in on this one. So we bought the uh, 50, 65 call spread that expires this week without knowing that the CEO would come on yesterday um, and basically say, you know, we are rocking it. Um, and in the after hours last night, stock popped from, you know, I think it was in the four, let me see, I'll tell you exactly, but while we're talking. Um, so I had bought yesterday on that pretty significant dip. I bought into QuantumScape um, stock. I put on a call spread and then not in the after hours because there are no after hours for option trading, but I own the 50 calls and I was short the 65s, uh, yeah. hoping for a move uh, like we started to get today. As it went to 57 today, which was significantly higher than where it was yesterday, um, I was like counting my lucky stars thinking, man, I am so smart. <laughs> I bought this, <laughs> I bought this call spread. Um, and uh, here the stock is moving up from, um, you know, because I was into the call spread last week. Um, the stock broke down into the high 40s and all of a sudden it's trading 55 in the after hours. And I'm like, yes, so <laughs> with the stock at like 57, 58 today, I took off half the spread. So that's good and bad. It was a, you know, a, a great profit, but guess what? The stock kept going $10 higher. Right. <laughs> so now it's through the upper strike on that spread, which means that uh, if this was expiration, which it's not, but if this was expiration, that spread would be at 15. I was selling it today at 650. So you can imagine I'm sitting there going, oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> so that's one of those things, though, where you say, okay, um, I did what I always tell people to do. Something doubles, take half off. Yeah. I still have half out there. Yeah. Um, I'm delighted I have half out there, but oh my God, <laughs> that much money on the table is, is something that haunts you and you just have to forget about it and say, look, I'm not going to buy bottoms. I'm not going to sell tops. Um, but you know, it happens to all of us. Yes. Um, I'm no smarter than anybody else when it comes to, you know, having that uh, tomorrow's newspaper today. <laughs>
No, yeah, and 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 I think it's like, but thanks for sharing that because I think it's a it's a great example. And you know, a lot of times I tell this to people too. It's like you're ne you're never going to sell at the top. You're never going to buy right at the bottom. In fact, you know, most of the time I'm absolutely miserable in the market. Uh, <laughs> but but so just make money, right? Just right. just just make money. Be consistent at that. Yeah, uh, and that's the the bigger thing because you can never win. I mean, that's that's a great trade right there. And, but still, you're not happy because you're thinking about that, uh, the opportunity cost too. Yeah, I'm thinking, my God, I had everything right. If I would have, uh, you know, if somebody would have called me, if, if, if Arusha would have called me, or if uh, something else would have happened, I wouldn't have sold right. 650. Exactly. Maybe I would have sold at eight. Uh, I'd still be mad because now it's 15. So, you know, you got to forget about it. Um, learn a little something, but I wouldn't change a thing. When something doubles, my rule is I take off half, as you've heard me say. Yeah. If I lose half on that spread, you know, I would have, I would have cut my losses at losing half. So as long as you employ that kind of discipline, yeah, you're going to look back at times and say, I could have done so much better, but also uh, I'm not going to get taken you know, I'm not going to go to the poorhouse by riding something down to zero when I'm wrong. Um, and every once in a while, I'll hit a home run to the upside. No, that's perfect. So, you know, really knowing yourself, understanding the psychology, that's that's the key. You know, plan your trade, trade your plan. Coming up next, we are going to talk about a few ideas. Stay tuned. Interactive Brokers charges 1.59% for a $100,000 margin loan. You know how much your broker charges? Upwards from 6.82% at Fidelity or Schwab to as high as 7.45 to 7.75% at E-Trade or Ameritrade. Move your account to Interactive Brokers and save at least $5,200 or much more if you're trading big bucks. We are back with John Nigerian on Investing with IBD, sponsored by Interactive Brokers. Okay, John, let's get into a few ideas here. And uh, the first thing I, I think we should talk about are the, the EV stocks, the electric vehicle stocks. Talk a little bit about that, because obviously those stocks have been uh, running through the roof, going through the roof uh, for really for a number of months now. Yeah. Um, and Tesla has been, you know, one of the performers, of course. Right. Right. Um, and Musk, I can't say enough good things about him. And no matter who, which one of these other companies we talk about, whether it's NIO, NIO, or Lee, symbol L-I, um, any of these are XPEV or Solo, the Canadian uh, EV manufacturer. Um, they make a small number, you know, bigger than General Motors, bigger than Ford, um, but nothing compared to Tesla. And yet NIO is the number two, I think, uh, EV manufacturer in the space. Um, and like I say, I think last year, Arusha, maybe they did 17,000 vehicles or something like that. Maybe wow. it was 20. Um, but uh, meanwhile, Tesla did almost half a million vehicles. And, and Tesla also has all this great um, uh, technology as far as when they have technology, um, they own it. So for instance, yes. Arusha, if you were to buy your car, um, 
and you love your Tesla and then you decide to sell it rather than trade it in. It won't work with the new guy. He doesn't get or she doesn't get the uh, upgrades. Uh, oh, you know, wow. all of the cool stuff that they do, the remote yeah. upgrades and everything. Yeah. Because that's Elon Musk's intellectual property. That's Tesla's. So they're saying Arusha gets it as long as you're the owner of the car. But as soon as you sell that car, um, that that stayed with us. Wow. You know, because that's our property. So anyway, um, I think there are lots of reasons to love this space. Obviously, Nancy Pelosi bought at the end of December. Um, and this is not a criticism, Democrat, Republican, I could care less. Um, but she bought end of December. It was shrewd timing because like two weeks later or three weeks later, um, Biden's saying, you know what? I want the whole U.S. Uh, government fleet to be electric vehicles, EVs. <laughs> that was just shrewd timing on her part. <laughs> but uh, she wouldn't be the only one that believes in Tesla's vision, um, but she made a very nice trade there and she bought way out. They, these were, I think, January of 2022. They weren't wow. short-term calls. She bought long-term calls. Um, but yes, we've seen a lot of volume going off in the options of these stocks. They've been bouncing around a lot. Um, you know, whether it's NEO, it's been between 60 and, you know, whatever, 55 and 60 for a while now. Yeah. Uh, after the election runs, same thing with Lee has been in a range. We're kind of waiting for all of them to start breaking out, Arusha. Yeah, no, they're they're all kind of setting up now, though. And I, and I do have some shares of both Tesla and a, and a little Neo here. But yeah, it, the, the the question is, especially with the Tesla, and I'm a big fan of, of the both the company, the stock, Elon Musk. But uh, it's you know has it run far enough? Right. It has it gone up too far. There's a lot of expectations here. Now, I mean, do you see anything in the options market that leans one way or the other on that? Any activity there? What we've got, especially in in our readings right now, um, Tesla moving up the chart with unusual activity. So there um, two weeks ago, they mm -hmm. were all buying puts. OK, um, they've stopped buying puts in here. Um, and that was not a major expiration. Obviously, two weeks ago would be um, the uh, beginning of February. They have weeklies, of course, in Tesla yeah. because it's so popular. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, as far as mindset or uh, discussion on our boards too, um, making a nice move off of this 50-day uh, moving average. So um, people are starting to bet again that it moves higher. Yeah. rather than two weeks ago, they were betting that it's going to trade sideways to down. So we're right at, uh, what, what is that line, Arusha, that you have? The, this is the 10-week line. So we're on a okay. weekly chart, essentially the 50-day moving average. Yeah, uh, yeah and, so, and it's, I think this is a great example because I, I started adding more to Tesla today as it was bounce finding support. I'll, I'll go over the, the daily chart too. So um, as it was finding support off the 50-day, I started adding to to that position. So once again, it's the options and the stocks are lining up. Now we'll see if we are we're right or you know the market says no. That, that it actually Tesla needs more of a break. Here's here's one of the really interesting trades that we saw. And who knows, this could have been our friend Kathy Wood over at Arc. Yeah. Um, but somebody uh, on Christmas Eve, December twenty fourth, 
you and I know, Arusha, there's almost nobody on the trading desks Christmas Eve. Right. And right. even though, of course, nobody's on trading desks anyway right now, they're That's all true. doing it from home. But nonetheless, uh, there's few people making a bet like this. Somebody bought 15,000 uh, of the January of 2022 uh, upside calls at the 810 strike. That, that was wasn't Nancy test. Pelosi. Yeah, that, yeah <laughs> exactly. And she only bought a million dollars worth. So that that's a small trade. This one, 14,895 calls at the 810 strike, January, 2022. Stock was $661 a share. Wow. Okay. They paid $119 each. So you've got one, one, nine, and then throw two zeros on the under, other side of that. So in other words, each, uh, when you're talking about $119 for an option, every mm -hmm. option's for a hundred shares of stock, that's $11,900 each oh of God. these options times uh, 15,000 contracts. So that's a $178 million trade. Uh, that's how much they put on the table. Obviously, they've made multiples of that since then. Um, and very little of that's been closed. Um, the, the, when size comes into this one, um, obviously, it needs to be negotiated because I don't, you know, they're not buying those from Wall Street bets. Right. They're not buying those from me. Um, so that's a negotiated trade that somebody found the liquidity that whoever that person was was looking for. But these are really big, serious trades. And it's still a lot less than buying a, an $800 stock, which is where Tesla is now. An $800 stock times 1,000, again, it's, it's a house. And somebody bought 15 million share equivalent, one five, 15 million share equivalent. I'm, I'm sorry, million and a half. I apologize. A million and a half share equivalent because 15,000, every options for 100 shares yeah. is um, 15, 1.5 million share equivalent of an $800 monster. That's incredible. And, and it, a lot of times that insight can give you a little bit more conviction in the stock as long as it's still trading right. Um, but that's really, really interesting information there. Um, let's go into semiconductors. As we know, those uh, that group has done quite well too. Uh, the SMH, what, what are your thoughts on, on SMH? Okay. Um, number one, Taiwan Semi, love it. I own mm -hmm. that one. Um, SMH, we had big buying um, just yesterday at the March 265 call strike. Okay. So they bought almost 10,000. That would be about a million share equivalent. Wow. And they paid $640 for each one of those. They paid $6.40 but every option's for 100 shares. So $640, 10,000 times, $6.4 million trade. I like paying attention to people that are putting down that kind of money. Yeah. And they've been right and right and right on this one. Every time we see somebody trading, you know, in that 5,000 to 10,000 option range, they've been right. I mean, they started buying January 4th when it was 222. Now it's 257. That's the SMH um, as of yesterday. Mm -hmm. I like following those guys. Uh, what about like NVIDIA? Are, um, are you big, seeing anything there? Yep. Big buying in there again too. NVDA. Let me see what's the latest that we've got. 
they've been buying, um, let's see, yesterday again was the last big buy that we had. But uh, beginning of February, you know, which is only now what, um, 12, 14 days ago, stock was 542. Now it's 605 yep. as of yesterday. They bought 5,500 of the this week expiration 620 calls. Wow. Um, wow. So they think, you know, between now and Friday, um, it's going to be pushing towards that level. That's, that's a commitment because those aren't cheap calls. Right. So I love following, again, people who have been right and people who put a big bet down on a move in the short term. It's like they have tomorrow's newspaper today. Yeah, no, and uh, yeah, I, I hope they're right because I do own shares of NVIDIA, so uh-huh. then, <laughs> then I'll be happy too. Um, let's go over to uh, XLF, right, with interest rates uh, starting to act a, a little bit more interesting or you had a, a bigger move in the interest rates. What, what are you seeing in the XLF? Um, today, uh, we had, they were buying the June 36 calls. Um, that's with the index roughly at 32, 50,000 June 36 calls. Um, yesterday they bought 50,000 April 33 calls. Um, let's see. Uh, also yesterday they bought 50,000 June 35 calls. You get the idea. Somebody's buying an awful lot of upside calls. Um, I think if they're right about banks being that strong, you know, Berkshire's in there, JP Morgan, um, all the big banks are in the XLF. Um, I know Berkshire's not a bank, but they call it a financial. Um, I think if, if we see banks moving up that much, it's because they think interest rates um, don't hold here at 130. They just keep blowing to the upside. That's going to be tough for the market to deal with, I think, Arusha. But, yeah. you know, so far, the market's been impervious to any bearish outlooks at all. That's true. And, you know, and, and yeah, obviously the financials haven't been much of a player in a long time. So it wouldn't be a surprise for them to all of a sudden start taking leadership one of these years. But um, so, John, you know, well, we only have a few more minutes here. You know, talk okay. a little a bit about market rebellion what what people can learn there because you have a whole community to to learn this and you know you're you're active there you know give us a little bit of insight there sure thank you yeah we do everything from uh stocks and technicals with aj monty who's one of our moderators uh who's been incredibly successful there cmt um to uh futures and crypto of course options so basically if somebody wanted to learn, they could do it from their computer, remote learning. Um, All of the uh, lessons and the tutorials are all online. So they could start at the beginning, they could be intermediate, they could be advanced. We even give them tests at the end of each chapter as they're going through it, um, just to make sure they know what they think they know. Mm -hmm. Because that way, um, when they actually get to plunking down money like you and me, Arusha, neither of us are going to make money all the time, but they're not going to lose money because they didn't understand. Yes. They're going to lose money because, well, I put it down and I didn't give myself enough time or I bought the wrong strike or whatever, but not because they didn't understand, wow, I didn't really know I could lose money in you know, that kind of a time spread or this kind of an iron butterfly or a condor or whatever. They don't have to get terribly sophisticated. 
they can go really basic and just do one-to-one spreads and things like that. That's mostly what I do. Mm. I don't need to get terribly complicated, but every once in a while I throw on condors and things like that. I did that in GameStop, for instance. Um, but I think overall, if you want to uh, get a coach or a mentor or do some remote learning, um, it's 24 seven. You don't have to wait for a class. You just go online, watch it, decide, okay, I understand this and, and or I'm gonna tune in to um, you know, this free webinar the next day where I can get that in, uh, education reinforced. Uh, we've been very lucky, very blessed to have, I think we've got over 160,000 people now that have wow. done that on Market Rebellion and uh, knock on wood, we continue to bring in more folks. No, that, that's pretty amazing. I mean, that there's a lot of opportunity to learn this and you always want to learn from someone who's been doing this successfully for, for many, many years. So there are a few ideas and John, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Oh, Arusha, it's my pleasure. Give my best to the team over at IBD. Will do. Next week, we will have Richard Moglin on the show. Richard just joined Trader Lion and he also hosts a great podcast on investing. You can check it out on YouTube. So that's it for this week on Investing with IBD. I'm Arusha Paris, and thanks for listening. And for this week's Nilton Charts, make sure to go to investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode.